Welcome to Talking in Stations. It's Matt or I'm here with my buddy Caleb. How you doing, Caleb? Hey, guys. We also have Rundle in the backseat. Hey, riding backseat shotgun. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some EVO Online uh, with our friends. We'll try to do a 10-minute show, which should land us right around the 60-minute mark. Just like we do it. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. Today, we're going to cover... Uh, well, we have an announcement that the hotfix uh, for the CPU is available. We'll talk about that first in just a second. Uh, we're going to talk about the login event, the Grand Prix that's happening, some of the skins and stuff that's uh, been awarded. Uh, we'll plug the CCP stream that's happening with um, B. Uh-oh. John B. Thank you. And uh, then we'll um, actually talk a little bit about our new show that you should be watching uh, every Tuesday and Friday, the European show with Caleb. That's why he's here today. And then we'll get into a war update and give you an idea of where we are in the war. Today is a very significant day, or actually I should say two days from now will be a very significant day. And we'll explain why in uh, later on in the program. Okay, let's get started. So first thing up is the hotfix. Uh, what's the hotfix about, Caleb? Well, due to the recent patch with the uh, formation and, and everything, um, there was a bit of uh, issues, uh, weird things happening and, and, and bugs. And one of these bugs was, of course, uh, a little bit worse than, than the other ones. Um, people had massive increases in CPU usage, and some people actually got disconnected uh, at random uh, points. So people have been a little bit mad. Um, but it looks like uh, CCP has already found some of the issues, at least. So uh, it looks like they're going to push a, a hotfix for this. I think that's already going to be pushed tomorrow at downtime. Uh, so we can have a nice uh, weekend of uh, playtime without any issues. Yeah. yeah. Again, it was a... It was just a couple CPUs or CPU for EVE Online. Um, sorry. Uh, it, it basically, it, it took you from, if if you were running uh, around something like uh, 15, 20%, it suddenly yanked it up to like 40 and 60. And uh, mm. people were having problems with uh, running their multiple clients and all that shenanigans. So oh, no. it hit some people more than others. <laughs> yeah. I did hear about that. So they're going to fix that up. Okay. So let's get to the bigger news today, and that is the um, Grand Prix that they're doing. Uh, first of all, there's login rewards. Let's show you those, because you should be logging in if you're not right now. Here they are. I'm going to push put my uh, neutral face on. I have no opinions on <laughs> login rewards. Right, so anyway, here's a little snippet. The very first login reward was important that one was important because that tied into our expert systems uh, uh update that uh, we just got and that has been discussed quite a lot over the past week um and apparently we get one of these uh packs in um the first login reward so we are going to get the i think it's the interceptor package right yeah yeah um so that's already a freebie, which is kind of nice if you're participating in this. And well, there is a timer, seven days. You got to use it in the first seven days, I believe. So, oh, good point. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not tradable. It's not sellable. It is. Uh, so pick, choose the character, uh, and then give it a try. So what I found about exciting about this was, you know, for purchase, there's some very dedicated ones, and I have to admit, I honestly didn't think 
they have now the mechanism to put whatever they want in this little uh, expert system. So this means for daily gifts or other things, like they, I guess they mentioned finally in one of the, the articles, they could put whatever they want in here. They could give us a Marauder pack. You want to try Marauders? Here you go. Go give some Marauders a chance, right? Only seven days. I think that's really exciting. I hadn't thought it through to that level. So that really opens it up, I think, for CCP and possibly for the players to enjoy. Especially because uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of this event focus in the future because it's got so many benefits. It's actually a topic that we have um, on the schedule for the EU show for the upcoming week. We're going to talk a little bit about how uh, future development uh, is going to focus a lot about events and uh, the benefits from that. Yeah, one of the things that we've talked about here, I think on a couple or three shows, is the design process for CCP these days is split into two camps. I think it's still generally two camps. I think there might be three. But the first one is to keep players that are joining the game going down the funnel of acceptance of the game, get them through the pain points and the friction points uh, that would normally knock them out of the game just a little bit further from the first hour to the first three hours to the first day to the first week to the first month to the first three months, the first six months, just get them further down that tunnel. And another group is basically keep the veterans happy, keep balancing their game, keep throwing them off so they find new things to interact with. So keep the old players and help retain the new players that are trying this game because there's definitely a lot of people trying EVE Online. That was one of the key features of last year, just how many people tried EVE Online. And, so, and this is where the the combination of um, of CCP events and player events are, in my opinion, really important. That we get that ecosystem up and running because we, uh, I think, uh, Ronald just said, "What didn't didn't we already have this event?" No, it was a different event that we actually had this weekend. It was a player event, right? Uh, where this one is actually a CCP event. So it's funny that you conflated the two, because how do you know the difference? Well, you don't necessarily notice if you're just participating in them. Uh, of who the actual uh, uh, creator is, but uh, yeah, it uh, uh, and of course we have uh, we've had CCP tournaments and and then we had player tournaments and uh, we're having one coming up, and not this weekend but next weekend as far as I remember, yeah, uh, with the anger games. So I, I just like to see how this ecosystem ev evolves because it's it's definitely a little bit new. Welcome to Eve Pulse Capsule. I like that. Yeah, and I'm just totally connecting dots right now in my head over this. You know, this maybe is even a way for CCP to help, uh, you know, promote or endorse or assist in uh, player events, right? Imagine if we want to do a player event, uh, uh, whoever we are, whoever you are, and you're like, hey, I need a, a three-day, and on day one you get this pack for, oh, I don't know, whatever type of ship, and on day two you get this, and then on day three it's kind of a reward and you get to log in and you get to come to my come to this player event, and uh, you know what? You, you don't, all you need is to log in and get the stuff to come, uh, you know, enjoy the community. Uh, and, just, and yeah. It's even possible that they could uh, allow uh, the partners to actually be able to hand out some of these uh, expert packs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and have a, a set uh, for each month, right? Because partners already get things like skins and stuff that they can do as giveaways or rewards for events. So there's just so many things that could possibly evolve from this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, right. My my brain is really connecting a lot of dots right now, and a lot of opens up a lot of possibilities. So, well, you know, uh, I think talked about this last week, and I was kind of what did I say? I think I said I was underwhelmed, and I was super excited. Now all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, just from a mechanism in the game, super exciting. 
uh, and I hope CCP realizes maybe what they have here. And I hope it's really all by plan and design, not by luck. Well, no, I, that's what I was talking about with the whole development cycles, right? Yeah, those two teams at work, but the advanced team needs to, uh, the whole philosophy in general, especially with veteran players affairs, where you want to keep people interested, is to experiment probably with low dev time uh, price point or investment on some of the fundamentals of EVE Online. So events are a team that can experiment, right? Uh, in a limited and encapsulated way. So if the experiment goes wrong and players figure out how to abuse something, they can just say the uh, the event has expired. It was only a 14-day event. And now that mechanic that we were trying out, we have to figure out how to tune it better so that it doesn't get used incorrectly. Or it just wasn't that popular, so we won't use it. And this is like a nice little encapsulated playground for them to try some things. And so I think experts... I, I wanna coming into that just totally fits that um, idea. Go ahead. I, I want to take part in, in the big uh, player uh, arranged event called uh, the big bank robbery event when they start opening up the keys for the ESS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing they kind of put in their pocket when they built the ESS out, right? Mm. For those that don't know, that's the encounter surveillance system. It has two banks that get filled up. So as you're adding a system, they're taking 40% of your income and they're moving it to two different banks. One is something that can be robbed at any time. And the second bank is something that's completely locked and inaccessible until CCP decides it's a good time. So they're saving yeah, We still don't have thing. any... We have no idea what they're going to do when it comes to how you're going to open the reserve bank. We haven't been told. We've just been told there's going to be something happening with keys, and that's it. Still very excited. Right. So the Is reason it? they're doing that, we think, if we look back in time to an event that was uh, a gold rush, there's been a few in EVE history. But the problem is when those gold rushes are over, that can never be repeated. For instance, the last time I remember a big gold rush was when stations that were out in space put out by players were converted to Fortizars that were temporary. So stations used to be permanent. You could only conquer them and take them over, but you couldn't destroy them. Then they changed over at a single point in time, at the stroke of midnight, they changed over to Fortizars, which could be removed and destroyed. And uh, so that was a gold rush to capture those systems because they would belong, those Fortizars would belong to whoever owned the NPC station that was put down before, or I should say the outposts or the stations that were used before. So the idea was get into as many of those stations as possible, conquer them as quickly as possible, sit on them, wait till the stroke of midnight, and you will inherit this Fortizar that you can pick up and take home to a different region, or you could sell to a different player, et cetera, et cetera. That was a huge gold rush. But once it was over, you couldn't really repeat it anymore. They only turned, you know, at the stroke of midnight, these stations turned to pumpkins only one time and then it was all over. So this ESS design of having a really big jackpot, a really big jackpot in multiple regions and multiple systems, that is something they can uh, turn on once or twice a year if they want to as an event. And and that's not, if, if we want to be a little bit uh, maybe a, a dramatic, uh, it's got, a lot in common with slot machines. Oh, really? Yeah, you know when you play the uh, some of these uh, modern slot machines, you get this uh, bonus that just keeps ticking up that you can actually uh, end up uh, cashing out. The progressives. Yeah. The progressive jackpots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I... It, it's a it's a it's a very very good Skinner box mechanism. 
<laughs> All right. So again, going back to the story, uh, login rewards and make sure you log in every day for the next five to how many days is it? It's the 20 seven days, seven days. Okay. So yeah, but there's seven sets of rewards, right? Yeah. So log in every day on every character, every account, not every character, and claim your reward. There'll be expert systems that you can use. They will expire. So if you don't use them, uh, they're going to go away. And it will allow you to participate in this event, the Grand Prix, which we'll talk about next. So uh, that's an interesting thing, right? Like one of the things is they put together an event and some people can't participate. They don't have the right skills to participate. This shows you the power of expert systems, giving everybody a chance to participate for seven days. What do you guys think of that? Rundle, you were well, earlier. Yeah. I think the cool thing is, is as I think Rundle uh, mentioned, uh, the fact that the, the, the package that we are getting is fitted to the event. And not only that, as far as I heard, there's something about you also get a velocity boost so it's Tomorrow. going to be like so it's going to be like hilarity all over speed tanking everywhere it's like yeah this is going to be fun yeah tomorrow's reward is uh, you get a, a speed accelerator boost right and there's another one in day 6 of some sort uh, warp accelerator as well so there's a, a couple of additional toys they can throw in there to support your event uh, which oh. is really exciting yeah that's and, the and there's a massive upside for me. I, I got to laugh at the fact that Willy killed himself in a yacht because he got stuck <laughs> on environment in, in this whole thing because there was a bloodbath already started today. Yeah, I think there's uh, some smart bombing uh, on some gates. So if you're going to run the run the, uh, run the the event, just be careful. Maybe try and use some pings in a few systems. I mean, that might affect your time. But What's uh, the other thing I'm just noticing here, which uh, you know, the nice thing is um, they're all strung out for alpha characters as well, including the speed boosts. So you get to uh, you do not have to be Omega to take it to take advantage of this, and I think that's uh, another excellent element of this new system. So, uh, yep, hadn't thought it through, I guess, or in the earlier uh, times where we had talked about this mechanism or elsewhere. And uh, actually, yeah, like I said, I'm connecting a number of dots, and I like it. Uh, that's uh, probably the real power behind this mechanism. I think that we're yet to see. I actually thought that was a big part of expert systems that people mentioned at the very beginning when we first talked about them, but after a while, people stopped talking about that aspect, which was login rewards seemed very, uh, a very natural I must place. That. Yeah, I just really thought it was you know attached to dollars and attached to uh, player experience in terms of I want to try something, not attached to the universe in terms of uh, promoting or supporting large mass events. Well, isn't that where our head goes every time? It's like, how's this affect me? How's this affect my competition? Are they going to outcompete me? Yeah. But the criticism that I took part in was the fact that I think that they didn't do the math. This is what frustrated me, that it, it wasn't properly fitted and balanced uh, according to the skill points you get in each pack, the, the cost of each pack, the, the equivalent training days, uh, the equivalent conversion into Plex to Omega and, and Omega training. There's just something off about the numbers. I think someone mentioned that. One of the packs is, is it just below $2 or something like that? But if you, if you calculate it, it's really only two or three days of training. It's like, that makes no sense, right? That, that's, that, that's, that's almost a ridiculous lo low amount of skill points 
for something that cost real money, where if you converted it or to, to real money, you should have had at least like five days of training. So, so you're like losing everywhere on, on this thing. It's just, it, it, it's not equivalent in, 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 in valuation. So I think it's a, it's a really good idea again, because one of the things that, that I think is kind of cool is that let's say that CCP gives you one uh, pack for a specific event, like they, like they just did now, with, which is basically uh, things like interceptors and frigates and stuff. But let's say there was a player event uh, similar to the one we had last weekend, right? Where it was a mining event. Then you would yeah. want the, the barge pack, Damn fan, right? Damn fan mining event, yeah. Then you would want uh, the, the barge. So since CCP is not giving it for free this weekend or these seven days, then you might want to buy that one because you want to take part in the player event instead of the CCP event or vice versa. There's so many things that could happen with this new uh, ecosystem if, uh, if there's a lot of uh, collaboration between CCP and the players. Yeah, I'm just going to say in the audience, Valmir brings up a, a, an excellent point. You're thinking, and Caleb, your points are totally valid for an Omega player where I could actually train those skills and maybe even with uh, implants and other things that I already have, it's you know three days of training. But for an Omega, um, I mean, sorry, for an Alpha, you know, in a somewhat you know new character, new-ish character, um, that completely removes the barrier of having to figure out how to get those skills and train them. And so there's a there's an additional value cost to that money of uh, you know value to the player where um, you know we're not talking about extraordinary amounts of money either. We're not talking about a twenty dollar pack. We're talking a two dollar pack. And so fine, maybe the plex the plex uh, value is like uh, you know a buck twenty five. Well, for seventy five cents, I don't have to sub. I don't have to chase down books. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. I just you know two bucks and I try it. And there's the yeah, plan. I'm I'm just pointing out that that I I think CCP should make sure that these things fit with slightly cost efficient. So. I'm okay with incremental uh, uh, training. Said like access. a I just... spreadsheet warrior, <laughs> a true <laughs> yeah, spreadsheet warrior. So, okay, can 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 we just get that uh, one out of the way? Because <laughs> okay. uh, I'm talking to an Eve playing audience, right? Yeah. Ninety percent of these guys know how to do spreadsheets. <laughs> this yeah, is I, what I, they're playing. Yeah, your point is valid. I, I get your point. I think it's fair. Um, it certainly they'll have to make sure moving forward that. All of these packs, when it comes to the monetary side, is somehow balanced. Uh, like the Magic 14, I, I think, is $4, and the Barge one is $5 or something like that, maybe 6 something like that. And so there's these four exploration ones, which are two, $2 two uh, or two, $2, euros, and then there's you know the Magic 14 and the other one. Do, ah. do we know what happens when you buy one of these? Do the... The skills light up as a temporary skills, or, or is there any distinction between them, or do they just disappear? No, there's a new tab on on your character sheet, and I think they, uh, if I understand it correctly, they show up there. Okay, so you can then see if you wanted to keep these, what you need to train, and to what level. I think I think that's how yeah. it works. I, I honestly haven't I like tried that. it. I, I, so I think two dollars. It's worth having a plan, right? I'm coming into this game alone. I don't know people. I don't want to research the internet to figure out how to become a miner. If I see that pack, I, I'll hit it. Gives me the skills, and then just right off the bat, I know a direction to go in. Because there's some I, sneaky I'm, stuff to mining, right? Like the metallurgy. You don't think of that when you want to be a miner. That you have to learn that. You have to train that skill too. I'd like, I'd like to point out that I am quite impressed at 
the UI work that they've actually done on this uh, little thing because it's really well linked and hooked into all the things in game. So you can kind of see that if you want this ship, you have to get this pack and then it's pretty much advertising itself inside the, the game client. A little bit of brilliant marketing from the UI guys. I would like to point out to the same guys, now that you're done with this, could you remove that horrible red button thing that we keep mentioning? And uh, right. could you maybe give a little bit of love to the things that uh, <laughs> is quality of life? Red dots? No, I, I have no problem with red dots, but I don't know, I guess. Okay, there were problems early on when the red dot came. It, it worked in a weird way, but they've fixed it substantially since then. Uh, no, it's just it's just funny because it's 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 really well made the UI for the expert system. They they've done some really good work. It's uh it's both uh, just enough nudge to be fair, but it's mm-hmm. not really forcing you to do anything. So it's 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 a little bit of a from, pretty, from, from a marketing point of view, it's it's really well done. Good job, CCP. Pretty sure a few months ago they hired a new UI guy or an additional UI guy. I'm pretty sure, but. Anyway, uh, let's move on, shall we? So the Grand Prix, we didn't really show that, but you know what we could do now is break into, why don't we show the video from CCP? Uh, It's only, it's a short one, it's only five minutes. Now we can see the skins on there. So shall we check that out? Sure. All right, here we go. Let's uh, mute up for a second. Welcome to EVE Pulse Capsuleers, your regular source of news from EVE Online. It's time to start your warp drives as the Federation Grand Prix returns as part of EVE's Rain Quadrant. Daily seasonal challenges will task you with getting yourself to the start line in the Luminaire system and then racing to a number of selected landmark locations within a designated time limit to earn rewards such as Luminaire Zenith skins and Grand Prix boosters until the 23rd of March. There are also daily login rewards for the Federation Grand Prix until the 23rd of March. Rewards include an expert system that will temporarily grant any pilot the necessary skills and skill levels to fly speedy interceptors, as well as Grand Prix boosters, more Luminaire Zenith skins, and thousands of skill points. During the Federation Grand Prix event, you'll notice that new landmarks have been added to New Eden. These are the statue of Kriba, the Alliance Tournament Monument, the Project Discovery Phase 2 Monument, and the Dorium 2 Memorial. The quickest and craftiest capsuleers can also write their name into the history books of New Eden in the Federation Grand Prix Time Trials Contest. Take part and get your hands on some great prizes by checking out the linked forum thread below to learn more about the contest which will be running concurrently with the Federation Grand Prix event. There will also be a new Abyssal Proving Grounds event that will go live between the 12th and the 16th of March to coincide with the theme of the Federation Grand Prix event. You can engage in 1v1 interceptor combat with a special 100% ship velocity bonus. The Pulse will be back after these short messages from our sponsor. Welcome back to The Pulse. The much-anticipated Fleet Formations update has now gone live in EVE Online. Also part of the Rain Quadrant, Capsuleers now have a powerful tactical weapon to wield on the battlefield. Fleets will be able to arrive at a location from warp in a variety of formations, such as point, sphere, arrow, wall and plane, 
that not only look amazing, but can also be used to influence fleet behaviour. There is also an additional relative or custom formation. Also as part of the fleet formations update, the new deployable mobile sinusural beacon is now available in-game. Intended for non-combat related travel and improving the ease of fleet travel by Sino, the mobile Sino beacon allows fleets to be deployed without the need for a dedicated Sino beacon ship. Brand new expert systems designed to help rookie capsuleers discover and experience new activities are now live in EVE Online. Expert systems provide specific virtual skills and skill levels for a limited time that cannot be extracted through the use of skill extractors. The first batch of expert system products focus on exploration, mining, and the core skills required to operate spaceships in EVE, commonly referred to as the Magic 14. The Bastions of War update went live in EVE Online in February, bringing changes to Marauders, heavy assault cruisers, and more. The Bastion module now doubles the rate of fire for all large weapons while active, making Marauders an even more formidable element on the battlefield. Bastion duration has also been reduced to 30 seconds. Updates for heavy assault cruisers reduced assault damage control duration by 25%, reduced their passive hull resist bonus, and removed the bonus reduction to micro-warp drive signature penalty with the goal of creating a more diverse fleet combat meta. Mixed Dimensions have released another batch of new ship models, and this time it's the well-loved and gorgeous Sisters of Eve vessels. The iconic and eye-catching Astero, Stratios and Nestor ship models can now be yours, so add them to your collection today. The popular Federal Police skins have returned to EVE Online's New Eden store for the duration of the Federation Grand Prix event. This skin is now also available for the Dominics, Dominics Navy issue, Thanatos and Vexor Navy issue, in addition to the hulls it was already available on last year until the 23rd of March. The 7th annual Frigate Free-for-All event took place in the system of Ueleta on Saturday, hosted by the notorious pirate group Abandapart. During the course of the four-hour event, a new record was set for the number of ships destroyed in a low-security system in a single day. The organizers also gave out thousands of free, fitted ships to players so they could get back into the fight. A surprisingly generous gesture for a bunch of bloodthirsty pirates. Congratulations to Abandapart on a successful event, and we look forward to future Frigate free-for-alls. That's all for another episode of The Pulse. Thank you for joining us. Check the description below or the comments on Facebook for more information on any of the stories that we've covered. Remember to hit subscribe to stay notified of any new videos that we post. Until next time. Well, there you have it. So yeah, what you were confusing, Rundle, is the uh, uh, Stay Frosty had their free-for-all that was just shoot them up. Apparently, it was, there was a ton of uh, stuff destroyed. I remember hearing it from people that were doing it at the time. Right. And then there's um, the Grand Prix, which is a CCP event, which is basically a race to your death, really, because of smart bombs and low sec. Uh, that's happening right now. And it's happening. I have it up on screen now. You can find it on the forums. And actually, I'll put that in the channel right now. So I think it's important to point out that if we're going to have this thing developed the way that it looks like it's developing, I think CCP is going to have to do some uh, sort of uh, combined calendar so you can actually see how many events are actually going on and where. Yeah, so the funny part of this is it's, it's Grand Prix is something that is historical, right? So one of the first things that players did when they got into this universe in EVE Online, we're talking way back in 2003, was to have a race, right? Uh, so it was called Death Race like 2000 or something, and they... Uh, you could fly any ship you wanted to, and you could kill your competitor that was next to you, but you were trying to race around certain systems.
good fun, good drama. And back then, speeds uh, tanking uh, was crazy because you could stack all your prop mods and stuff. It was like, walla walla. There was uh, there were no penalties for putting on what three, four afterburners. Exactly, the- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every, every 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 uh, speed modifier, every prop mod, all of them, they all stacked, and it was like <laughs> ridiculous math, like crazy numbers. You mean I don't want to fit my ship that way? I want to go fast. <laughs> you imagine? Well, if, like, I think if if you if you broke it down, it was something like was it sixty times the speed of flight? It's completely bonkers. Yeah, it was like, some crazy number. Yeah, really crazy because we we keep forgetting how fast we actually fly in this game and how uh, yeah. That 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 math gets well, really silly. Anyway, that's the first thing they did, right? It was the, you give people a sandbox, and the very first thing they do is race. And uh, so here it is again in the tradition of that sort of a thing. And CCP gave all you, you all the skills, gave everybody all the skills to participate in this thing in an interceptor, which is the fastest ship in the game if you do if you use it a certain way. So can uh, we just point out how beautiful that video was? Yeah, it was really well done. Wow, it makes me sad when I see CCP's beautiful. Uh, that racing video was like wow i was I, I felt like like going back to my playstation one and playing wipeout or something well, i wonder like, if that oh wasn't God, this is so cool a lot of the stuff i'm seeing out of ccp i know that formations video that shows the four different formations made by uh corin mar uh so yeah. you know he's a great designer great animator uh he's part of tis for a long time i brought him into inn actually to do a lot of the inn work and uh, took him with me to TIS, and uh, CCP picked him up, picked up Resorian too. So these are incredibly talented guys that deserve to be putting out stuff for CCP. They're also the nicest guys that um, are probably really easy to work with as well. So good for uh, CCP. Luckily, I'm uh, I'm, I'm Caldari, so I wasn't too uh, too upset to see no uh, Galante ship in that uh, promo. But I'm sure there's a whole lot of Galante. Pilots who think, yeah, nice guys, but where's my damn ship? But that's okay. I'll just yeah. you know, point that out for them. Yeah. Well, so we, we, we had the representation in those nice uh, Popo skins, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, those are, you know, I, the Thanny, I really, really like the way that looks. Uh, probably going to uh, find its way to one of my Thannies soon, I hope. I, I've always thought that the, the police thing, um, those yeah i don't know i've heard in other games to go off topic a little bit here other games like grand theft auto i actually know people that play police in grand theft auto like that's um that's what they do and there are servers dedicated to people who are playing cops and robbers there's guys that just fantasize about playing cops metal i'm gonna stop you because we had this discussion and it was very long in the chat about justice and policing and <laughs> let's leave that because otherwise this is going to be a three-hour right, show right. i just think it's neat it's neat there's you know cops and robbers people kids have been playing role-playing that for a long time yes anyway yeah they're rp servers um okay so one of the problems though was that you have to go through a low sec system so any new player that's buying this and getting involved in this tournament is going to die three <laughs> three jumps into this race it's just going to die so let us warn you right now, if you jump into low sec, uh, you need to do what's called a ping, right? Pinging to the gate. Uh, Rundle, you said it earlier. What is that? Yeah, so what you do is as you, you, know, you jump in, um, you will pick uh, 
a celestial object, a planet or a moon or something, you try to do it somewhat close to the next gate. You try to figure that out roughly by distance or you bring up the map if, uh, if you really want to be super uh, precise about it. Um, and then you go to that object first and then you go to the gate, uh, your exit gate. And that changes your vector of approach to the gate. Usually the smart bombers will be setting themselves up. This is what these are. These are battleships with the area of effect weapons. They sit very close to the gate because when you warp right to the gate, you land in you know around 1,000 meters to 2,000 meters. And so they want to sit themselves fairly close so that when you land, you're in their area of effect weapon. So, um, But they can't kind of bubble the gate. That's not worth their time to do that. So they sit in line with the other gate through the system. So if you change your attack vector or your approach vector, then in general theory, you will miss the uh, you will miss the uh, the, the smart bombs. Uh, no absolute guarantee you will, but it gives you a higher probability that you will. Yeah, and of kind, course, it's kind of like a bank shot, right? Instead of shooting straight through, you're banking right. off something. That's right. Right, because somebody's right. got a catcher mitt right in front of the gate, so they're going to catch you and kill you. So you want to do a bank shot into the gate. And how you yeah, go. and then when you and when you materialize on the other side, you're already ten ten k ten kilometers off of the gate, uh, and the usually the area of effect is is like I said about five kilometers on the area of effect. So you're already outside of the range of those weapons primarily, and so it's really mostly the exit gate you got to worry about. Um, oh, I think it's kind of funny that I've heard there's a trail like forty kilometers long of wrecks because probably smart bombers are <laughs> jumping in front of each other to, <laughs> to get the fresh meats. So yeah, there's yeah, <laughs> there's all sorts of techniques. I mean, it's a cat and mouse. Like I said, this is not a guaranteed method to uh, ensure your success or your survival, but it's it increases your odds, it increases your chance of survival. But um, you know, go out there, maybe get two or three jumps, and you don't get lucky, or the smart bombers have moved or something, or they're picking a planet, or they're picking the most common um, ping point, and now they're resetting their angle off of there, and they won't get all the main people, but the people who think they're being smarter. Fun, fun, fun. You know, it's just a cat and mouse game. That's really what it evolves down to. Yeah. All right. Well, so that is the Grand Prix. Now, the interesting thing about this Grand Prix is you do it on your own time. It's not, they're not heats where you have to wait till people show up and then go and race against each other. So you, there are three different courses. Uh, you race each one. The first time you just kind of go through the course, it's not timed. Uh, then you do it a second time. I believe at the end of the second time, you have like a timed run and that's what counts. So I, I, I think it works that way. But anyway, here's your instruction set and we gave it to you. Timed trials contest for the Federation Grand Prix. So check that out. All right. Um, Caleb, let's actually, I think that's it for the CCP news. So I should uh, oh, wait. There's one more thing. This. Sorry, sorry. There's one more thing, and that is tomorrow at 1400 UTC, CCP will stream. 1600. 1600. You said 1400. All right. 1600. No, I didn't. I said 1600. I have it written down. 1400. Boys, boys. <laughs> okay. Don't 14. make me get in the middle of you. 1600 <laughs> UTC. Well, you tell us, Caleb. Go ahead. What? The stream tomorrow. The yeah, CCP stream. Well, it's uh, basically it's going to be uh, CCP is going to have uh, Beyond B on as a guest, and uh, they're basically going to be uh, showing uh, uh, some stuff uh, about formations. So uh, I would definitely uh, tune in and see uh, what they come up with. Maybe they even have some examples and and some theory crafting because 
some of the really nerdy people have already been theory crafting like crazy on this and uh, i know pando has been uh, covering it quite extensively uh, on his stream um, and been doing a lot of feedback with ccp so uh, this is a exciting this is like the, the first small steps on the formation stuff and uh now I'm just hoping that we can see it being used in the wall very soon. All right. Normally I don't show these pictures, but there were some fleet formations already, <laughs> already <laughs> created. TTP, TTP, everyone, TTP. We what? got it. We got there. <laughs> what is TTP? It's time to penis. <laughs> well, explain what that is. It's how long does it take the players to figure out how to take any feature that can actually be converted into a phallus and get it in there and do screenshots and videos and uh, laugh about it. And of course, being um, since this is EVE Online and, 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 and we know that CCP actually likes that kind of humor, so it's, it's not that this is so inappropriate. I, I, I'm pretty sure that they named one of our game features um similarly let's just leave it at that right so there it is the ttp for this feature was like under a few minutes <laughs> yeah and these guys even put bubbles on top you know to make it even more uh yeah space worthy yeah and i mm -hmm. think i saw this fleet going into a blue fleet and it looked like <laughs> yeah so you get the idea these guys are, yeah Right. That is on, I think that is on uh, Reddit, but I'm not sure. Well, we'll, just, we'll just put a big kaboom. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a fact about EVE Online that it has one of the highest average ages of, of most MMOs, but we can pretty much revert to 12-year-olds in like a second. <laughs> yeah. There was, where's the Blue Fleet? I gotta, I gotta find that. I think that was in our uh, Discord today. So, yeah. I think one of our mods might have deleted it, but but yeah. But this type of creativity is just the lowbrow stuff, of course. But you get amazed at some of the things that people used to do with cans with big logos in space. I like, I have no idea who has the patience to sit and do that stuff. But yeah, it's always been a thing in Eve. Yeah. All right. I, I can't seem to find it, but it's out there. So. So one one other one other item on the pulse, which I wanted to just see if anyone else picked up. I think someone in the audience did when they were talking about the um, the new portable Sino um, modular device. That it they specifically say for non-combat, and maybe I don't know enough about the device yet. But why would why would they specifically say non-combat? Do you guys know? Uh, isn't that just because it? That's its intent, long? but it's not necessarily restricted to non-combat. But that's no, what no, the no. intent was. Yeah, this thing. Yeah, is, it, you can drop it, it off. You can stack them on top of each other. They last a full hour each. They're relatively, relatively hard to destroy. You have to shoot it for a little while. It's not. It depends on your ship. Um, and I think they can be used in combat. I don't think there's any restrictions to that. But their purpose was to help people solo move themselves uh, without always having to give up a falcon to do it or a, a rapier or whatever the recon is that's a 230 million dollar ship right so the price tag was too high on casual movement so that's what this is supposed okay. to be for 
Yeah, it was just I wanted to make sure. Yeah, I was just curious because you know, I was like, hmm. Yeah, it just seemed odd that they would specifically say non-combat. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. I don't think it's uh, rules based. But let's take a look at just how beautiful that is because that. I think there was another thing uh, that's a little bit potentially relevant. I keep mentioning this because I'm still very curious about actually seeing what it is when someone figures out how it works. But in the Hobo Leaks, um, before patch, there was a an entry that said spectator mode. And it seems to be tied into the Proving Grounds. So it looks like uh, you are actually able to watch the Proving Grounds fights in some sort of spectator mode. I think that's really important because it ties way back to a very old now interview with uh, Hilmer where he talked about how tournaments and esports in the future could have something like spectator mode. So I just think uh, we should keep our eyes on that one and see if, uh, if there's things to come, especially because, again, we are having a tournament very soon and... Uh, after that, I'm sure there's going to be another one. And uh, who knows? Maybe some of the features that he talked about might actually enter. And uh, I think that's a little bit exciting. Yep. Yeah. And, and the very end part, which was the thing I was a little confused about, which was the, the player-based free-for-all uh, on this past Saturday, I thought it was pretty exciting to hear that they set a new record for the most number of ships killed in a low-sex system. Yep. That's actually quite, uh, quite an accomplishment, actually. So good on you guys. Well done. Also, the mining uh, event was also a little bit crazy. Some of the numbers that came out of that uh, has raised a few our eyebrows. Yeah, the six million. Mm -hmm. uh, six million yeah, those we're numbers gonna, were crazy. Yeah, we're going to have to break that down in the Sunday show, I think, if we can get the data. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit worth discussing. In no mind. Oh, here it is. Okay, so we don't, we don't usually indulge, but we're going to indulge today. Here is... Uh, the blue fleet formation going into a purple fleet and simulating space kaboom. <laughs> okay. A space bang. Yeah. A space bang. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. All right. Oof. Enough of that. You should feel privileged, audience, because it's very rare that the metal allows this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's a family show. But okay, we'll have to mark this one, not for kids. All right. Uh, another shout out is uh, the reason that I actually dropped in today. Um, mm -hmm. We premiered uh, the Euro time zone, uh, time zone uh, show of uh, TIS um, uh, this Tuesday, uh, McLeod and I. And uh, we're going to have our uh, second episode uh, tomorrow uh, at the same time. So that's 1900 UTC peak uh, eve, uh, time and uh, tomorrow we have of course uh, the things that we're kind of trying to focus on which is uh, game industry news uh, relevant to uh, eve players and to uh, how they connect to ccp um, and then hopefully there will be uh, a few interesting uh, surprises as well um, and the main topic and we've actually invited Marol to join drop in tomorrow um we are going to try and cover and talk about the actual unique selling point of eve online what is it that makes eve so different from other games and why can you not actually find an alternative to eve online of course you can play other games and we all do 
but nothing can really take the place of of EVE Online as a game because it is just so unique in the entirety of the game industry and we're going to talk about some of those things tomorrow. Yeah. Check that one out. Uh, it's going to be every, what, Tuesday and Friday? Tuesday and Friday is at 1900 UTC. Not 1600? Okay. You're right, 1400 is really early so I didn't put that together in my head. Uh, okay, so 1900 Tuesday and Friday, check out our new show uh, which he just described to you, that being Caleb. I actually really enjoyed it. I sat and watched it live the whole time. So, good stuff. And you got a nice uh, you got a nice number for a uh, premiere show. That was yeah, quite decent. decent. Yeah. And good and very nice comments. I, I think as we get better, <laughs> um it will also uh, improve uh, for the audience. Well, there's and, only and there's I was going to say the comment. audience is asking, okay. sorry, the audience is asking where is it? Same channel, right? Do you want to clarify yeah. where you tune in? Right here. Yeah, it's, it's all TIS. This is all TIS products. That that's uh, that's kind of my job. <laughs> Literally, it, it's just it's just here and talking in stations uh, Friday mornings. Uh, so tomorrow, or yeah, Friday morning for for US. No, it's okay. Actually, I was going to say one of the comments that I didn't appreciate much, Caleb, was I love this new show. I can't wait to see how it compares to the other shows, which is us. <laughs> <laughs> People who've had enough of me uh, really like the relaxed nature of that one, kind of including me. Well, so. I think I think people should uh, be a little bit excited because th this is not the only thing that we're rolling out. Uh, th there's a lot of things happening when it comes to our product line on TIS, and uh, you're going to see some interesting things with uh, potential one shots and uh, some new hosts and, and things like that. So check it out uh, very soon in, in a couple of weeks, you might start seeing uh, a lot more content from uh, TIS than you're used to. Yeah. If you go to TIS right now, it is actually the middle show here. So you can check that out, but we've had such great shows. Rundle has been a big part of that, but yesterday we had uh, Abby Rova who, uh, showed us some of the Silk Road data that he was compiling. And uh, I named that. Did I you claim really? that? Is that you? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I remember when we were talking about it. I, I said it jokingly in passing when we were talking about all the uh, the, the trade route stuff and uh, and the potential of uh, Niaja uh, falling. Well, you definitely I said it just as a joke, and then everyone just caught on. It was kind of funny. You definitely said that uh, before I did, but it was on Reddit, so I guess they must have picked that up from you. Uh... We said it on the show. We were talking about it before it. Uh... It was really a, a thing because, yeah. So I love that name. I think that name is right on the money, right on the yeah. money. And the uh, the graphic you used was good, and I think you had a really good uh, comment from a uh, from a listener, which was really nice, kind of validation, right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. For that show, you mean? Yeah. For that for that show about the Silk Road, right? So he was just relaying. Uh, if I, you know, correct me if I get this wrong. I'm going off memory here was just saying, well, look, you know, I, I kind of was playing back then and I was kind of upset that this nine jump to Amar Jita back and forth kind of went away. Uh, and he had wished that there had been a little more, uh, I guess, promotion and kind of knowledge shared about, you know, the the winding through the different trade hubs and the creation of what you guys end up calling the Silk Road. And so he was hoping, yeah, there it is. Um, and so he was hoping like, yeah, maybe I could have had that. Now, you know, I, I think that's absolutely true. There could have been some more promotion, but at the same time, Eve is also a sandbox. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just giving a little um, con context here. Uh, you know, the players are left to um, explore, 
and understand and learn so much of this. If they gave away all of the developer-based reasons, then that would take a lot of the immersive gameplay elements out of the game and the exploration elements of learning. Even though it sometimes only takes you know a day to figure it out. Um, but but Rundle, yeah. if 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 you go back in TIS uh, back catalog, I think you will find that uh, we we talked about the Silk Road uh, before Nyadja fell, and we covered it pretty extensively about what it could mean for the game. Yeah, um, uh, you guys so, did for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot. We talked about it like at least for more than a week, pretty yeah. much all the time. The comment being, though, that CCP can't step up and put out a news article. Hey, no. we're about to remove this station or about to move this system, and it's going to kind of create this other th- winding pathway through the other trade hubs. Go check it out. We're doing this for you. I mean, they can't make a statement like that. You know they can't. But well, you guys can, couldn't. and that's what that's why you guys have the show, right? That's, that's what the show's about. That's the but they couldn't value, because right? it would have been a lie because it was a surprise to the players as well. And it, it, it tied into all the drama with, uh, with, with, it was basically goons deciding to shift that system. Otherwise, as well, it was I think brave. Arja, it was brave saying, it was brave defend saying, it. defend it. And then, <laughs> and then, and then goons picked up, hey, brave doesn't want this to fall. Let's go and make it fall. Because yeah. as Asia has already told us, it was very unlikely to happen. It was only because they decided, oh, we're bored and not doing anything. Let's go and mess with high seconds. Yeah. Caitlin, Caitlin Kyle Moore says he wouldn't have known about the Silk Road if he didn't listen to Talking in Stations. That is the advantage of listening to Talking in Stations and suffering <laughs> through the whole hour so you get all the benefit yeah. of the discussion. But yeah. yes, we've been we've been talking about the implications of this when it was just a theoretical happening. Then when it happened, we did live coverage on it happening and we talked about the Silk Road possibility when you break the connection between Jita and Amar. And yes, we were talking about it a lot, uh, and especially in those terms, but not everybody listens to talking in stations. So I think his well, point it, was it, he wouldn't have quit had he actually thought it through. But CCP can't think for you in that way. Uh, by the way, we did meet this guy. Well, the, we did meet the, this guy the, that wrote the comment. Smart guy. And he's got a lot more to say. Uh, so we'll try to like talk to him a lot soon. Go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. I just, uh, if any of, of uh, the, the audience today uh, um, ha- had the, the, the stamp of me being public enemy number one, they would also enjoy some of those episodes because I literally had to uh, sit there and uh, eat a straw hat in front of uh, Ashtarothy because I have been teasing him quite a long time about NPE not really mattering in EVE. And here we had actual NPE content. Uh, or rather player versus environment uh, uh, content that uh, had massive effect on the game. And that's not really something that I see a lot of. So I had to give him a a big apology and admit that, okay, this Triglavian stuff, it did have an impact. It mattered. Yeah, (laughs) I'm of the opinion, right or wrong, but I'm still, you know, my my conviction, my opinion is that Narja was destined to fall or be removed anyways, period. I think that was one of the core backbone decisions that we can't be told really was a decision by ccp come you know come hell or high water that system was going to be removed and moved to you know you know triglave space because they wanted that nine jump break um i think they really wanted to just to do that i don't think it really was in our our uh i don't think it was in our control to make it happen or make it not happen 
Uh, that's my opinion. That's tinfoil because then, that's you're saying tinfoil. That the, then you're saying that the, the events uh, were rigged and that's not what I see. Well, no, I don't think the I don't think the the uh, the whole thing was rigged. I think the the breadth and the depth of what was going to happen was all within the player's realm. But I think the key element of Narja was going to happen one way or the other because otherwise the entire storyline folds without it, and they have to have a development. You're developing the whole storyline. You're not going to develop a storyline and not have an end that you want to finish developing through. Otherwise, you end up wasting a lot of energy, artwork, time. Um, an effort to develop something that can't happen because the players completely rose up and prevented it. What, um, so what we know of that, what we know of that through uh, Astarothy's research is that there was a range of systems that would fall. So there's a minimum of, I believe, nine, I think, and a maximum. No, no. I, I think the way that CCP said it is if no systems change, in other words, if the players side with uh, Edencom and do not let any of the Triglavians kidnap any of these systems, and Posh, then Poshman can't be created, I think was a reality. So uh, anyway, it, it, and it's a different discussion. We'll get to that yeah. another time with Ashtarothi and others. But I do want to say the reason... Caleb, by the way, the most influential event of 2020 was Pashvin, right? It wasn't this war for talking in stations. It was Pashvin. And although the war was a close second, it was, it was an NPC-driven uh, event that is most will have the longest repercussions in this game, we think, from that year. So there you go. Okay. Um, should we talk a little bit of war before we take off? We, we kind of have to, and, and I, I, I can actually say that uh, I, I agree with you because I think for the first four months Yikes. of what everyone called a war, I didn't call it a war because it was just not the numbers yet. Let me get rid of all this uh, explosion, space bangs. All right, here we go. This is important. It's kind of like uh, we buried the lead, but in a couple of days, well, let's put it this way. Right now in Delve, if you are there, you are getting ready in the fortress walls for the enemy that is all around you and coming your way. And the sirens are going off and the sun is setting and you're about to go into nighttime when you know the attack is coming. That's the, that's the melodramatic scenario that you're in right now. And they are shouting, get the last of the ships out that are going to make it out. Because in two days... This system here will be jammable, F2O. When that's jammable, you are essentially jamming the last jump path out of Delve. So I think it's it, we're getting down to like, as far as getting out of Delve, if that's what you had planned to do, you really need to take a look at what's going on right now. Because in five, six days, it will be too late to escape with your super capital or capital or capital ships. Here's what happened. Early on, there was many routes from, um, oh, by the way, these systems here have keep stars. That's why we're talking about super capitals, right? Like if you have a capital ship, you might risk it going some other way uh, if you're in 1DQ, which is where you should be at this point. But it used to be you could get out this way, you could go north, but one SMEB was destroyed a few weeks ago by NCDOT. And, um, just the other day, this exit going towards Fountain, 
That keep star was destroyed in ZXB just a few days ago. So those two exit points gone. This chain is the last chain out and this system, I believe, is about to be jammed in two days. And at that point, uh, once, once that happens, you can't get through that system. You'll have to go around it, which is very dangerous uh, in your ship. And once it's jammed, the Keepstar there will be targeted and destroyed. And then it'll, jammed or not, there just won't be any method of using that as an escape route to get out. So I kind of feel like it's a very dramatic moment for people who want to evacuate from 1DQ. That said, people who've decided I'm... I'm going to, I fought with my friends. I'm going to die with my friends in this foxhole on this castle wall. Those people, they don't need to pay attention to it. But if you're not one of those well, people, better hurry. Well, this is really the, the large scale castle, right? This is the, the iron curtain uh, coming down around 1DQ. Just like you could claim that M2 was a little bit of a small scale castle where uh, you had them uh, hunkered down and locked in uh, that system. This is just uh, uh, a bigger version of the same thing. Uh, now it's being shut off. The, uh, you cannot get out after this, uh, at least not in an easy way. There, there's going to be slight workarounds where you can sneak out, uh, like uh, backdoor-wise, but uh, it's going to be tricky. Very dangerous. Um, so uh, it, it's it's now or never. But again, as I've said before, and Vilja said it as well, the majority of stuff that's actually uh, that people wanted to evacuate has already been evacuated. So this is more like the situation that you talked about in the interview, where people might change their mind and be a little bit frustrated, and then it's too late. Right? You you're not getting your stuff out now. If you if you have hunkered down and said, okay, I want to be part of this. You, you're not going to get a second chance uh, of, of changing your mind. You're going to use it or lose it. Let's take a look. Or, take, it, or take an asset safety bill, right? Yeah, yeah but then you're in Ermelin, uh, which is right up here. I think I saw it. Oh, my. It's here somewhere. There it is. Ermelin. It's right on this edge. And that is has a fraternity keep star in it. And so that will be camped. I'm not sure if that what that means, the implications, but once you undock from an NPC station, you cannot dock up again. And this whole area back here of Canid and Aridia, these are all heavily patrolled. So if you're an Ermelin with a super capital, it is going to be tough for you to find your way out solo. Maybe with this new, uh, what do you call it, mobile uh, Sino, it might be a little easier, but, but I don't know. Let's take a look at this other thing that's happening. This is the status of, let's see, yeah. This is the status. Those represent structures that are extra large or large in Delve. That's what's left. If it's crossed out, that means there's just medium structures and below. So those aren't counted. But I am really shocked at some of this because the if you look up here at Helm's Deep, right? Helm's Deep is this whole area here. Ridiculous. Look at how much stuff was in there. I mean, eight extra large structures here, five, and this has already lost a couple Satio, or a Satio at least, maybe two, seven, ten, five. I mean, there was a lot of infrastructure here. I'd this heard is that what before. I call, but... This is what I call the big game of grenades, right? You, you, you're basically uh, going to uh, hammer on all of these structures because they do want to take them down, right? Uh, really said that. Um, 
And I think he also did a little bit of math that they're like 15% done or something like that uh, compared to from, from the beginning of the war. Um, but he wants to chip them all away. And every single time you risk that there's some sort of uh, defense or harassment going on, right? And you can't tell what's in them. There can be a little bit of a grenade under each one of those. Yeah. I think strategically what's happening here is called islanding. I didn't know this concept until earlier today, but uh, by getting rid of F2O, you you essentially create an island. And, and what they're going to do is just dig out all around 1DQ, all possible uh, reinforcement points, exit points, uh, anything that they, anything that Pappy would have to worry about behind them, they're going to try to get rid of that. They're also going to flatten uh, the space for a while. Uh, it, I think they're going to be getting a bunch of kill mails if all these things go uncontested, which they may not. There may be a lot of resistance points in there. Uh, but right now, with the odds the way they are, with the progress that we've seen in the last two weeks, it just looks like Pappy is going to be able to get through any any resistance that Imperium puts up. And uh, it's going to be rewarding Pappy with victories and kill mails for a while before they basically start climbing up the walls of 1DQ. And then we'll see, really, the end game for this uh yeah, this is conquest. what I laughed about a little bit because, as really pointed out, everyone wants to get in on, on these big structure kills. Uh, but I think before we reach the number 40, I think people will be a little bit bored of getting on kill me. I don't think they're going to be that hyped to have a complete uh, list of uh, being on every single kill mail or anything like that. Padding your kill mail with these is just going to end up being a little bit of a, of a grind fest. Uh, but it's a work that needs to be done, and it will be done most likely, but it's going to take some time. Definitely take some time. We're talking months, not weeks. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be months of... Uh, basically, it's going to be months of destroying things. Whether you consider that work or play, I don't know. I would consider it work. You know, I would Well, be- I think, I think the, the, the plan, if I'm not mistaken, is to take down like five-ish and then try to do a hit and then take down five and then try to do a hit. Because as as really said, uh, 1DQ is going to take potentially many attempts, quite a lot of attempts um, before it succeeds. And there's a lot of toys in there, so it could get a little bit bloody. It'll get a lot bloody, I think. But uh, we're not there yet. I think if you look here, you see there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, most of the south area here that we said was kind of a cleanup is you can see why there just wasn't a lot of structures in there. But this actually, this was the last um, goon swarm system outside of this constellation, and that is now gone. This flipped over today. So everything else is out of the hands of goon swarm except the constellation of 1DQ. As you can see, a lot of work's already been done in this area because there just doesn't seem to be a lot of structures here. Either there there weren't any to begin with, or a lot of them have already been destroyed. Some constellations like this one here and this one down here have already been taken out. This one up here with one SMEB. Everything extra large and large has been taken out of these areas. But again, Uh, I I would like to point out that I think Vili and Pappy's uh, attitude that uh, because all of this is so successful, there's nothing else going on. I, I don't think he's uh, that naive because there's a lot of characters 
and uh, members of the Imperium that are not in Dell right now, right? That are out and doing stuff and burning the backfields and doing uh, disruption. And I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I just, I just don't think they're just going to sit passively and just watch all this destruction without trying anything. Um, I, I joked with the fact that to me it looks a little bit like they've swap, uh, swapped homes, right? Um, what if uh, if they're going to push hard on tests uh, uh, home country while all this is going on? What are they going to do then? Uh, where's the focus going to shift? Because um, I think I'm, I'm not going to say that that goons have uh, admitted that they've lost Delve, but I think they 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 kind of have in in one sense or another. Of course, they need to finish that final uh big bang but uh uh i think they're looking for for new strategies and uh ways to move forward wow i'm gonna pause a minute to to take that in you think other uh i'm kidding around with you because you and i constantly argue about like what's the condition of the war at times you've said like there is no war. Look at the economic damage that's being done. It's like, and, and I could see that from one perspective, there was just so much uh, stockpiles and money available to these players that even fighting for months and months and months didn't register as pain to them. And they all still felt safe. But now well, it's, it's coming a, to a point where that feeling of safety, I think that's going. Yeah, well, it's it's gone. Uh, Delve is fallen, and there's only one DQ left, right? That's pretty much the scenario right now. <clears throat> That's not really something that I think most goons will deny. Uh, I'm just saying that goons have, a, or Imperium uh, has, a t has a tendency of having plans within plans and always thinking like a little bit uh, far into the future. And as I mentioned before, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about 25% of all the wealth has already been extracted from Dell. Um, and some of that might be in, uh, in some NPC stuff. And uh, some of it might have been distributed out elsewhere and even ended up uh, in high sec. Um, there's summer and homes. Again, <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and there's also a, a lot of uh, Imperium players that actually uh, frequent wormholes. So some of it might actually be in, in there. And just from the Cabal point of view, uh, as we've talked about before, I can't give you precise numbers because I don't have actual insight, but I know the numbers that's been moving because I got crushed by this. Um, so uh, they have a nice uh, nest egg uh, in, in, in Jita. Um, this is not really uh, a, a secret uh, to people that have actually kept up to date all the way back to the to the fat years and of course they still have participation and membership in the ttc so they're still getting massive amounts of money each month right so um, there's a lot of things that need to happen before you can really call a win because right now the, as i said before the destruction numbers are not up to the level where it's really well it's gotten there now but that's only because of structures which you can say and this is not a, a goonsplaining, you can say that they're written off, right? Because that's the risk when you put structures down. This is the same for any organization. Um, so yes, it's it's a loss and it will be noticeable on the destruction numbers, but the other wealth, the, the, the chattels, the movable wealth, that's not really lost. They have a lot of that now still. 
and they have extracted a lot of that. So yes, they're going to lose most likely quite a lot, um, but they also collected a lot of cash to actually be able to pay for 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 the extractions for a lot of that. So they're not going to end up being that poor on the other side. So as I said on the show, where everyone raged at me, yes, you can say that it's a win when one DQ falls because it is, but if goons are almost untouched, which is what it looks like from from here, they haven't really lost lost that many people, and neither have Pappy. So when it comes to fatigue, people have tanked it. They haven't left the game. Um, so you're going to have a pretty strong Imperium still. They have no home. They have to figure out where to get a home, but they have wealth. They have weaponry. And unless uh, uh, Pappy is willing to do a, uh, I don't know, two-to-one uh, exchange with uh, all the big toys in 1DQ, some of that is going to still be available to fight, right? So... so you can't take them off the map, and the 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 big boy in the Pappy Club is still uh, the pandas, right? I think I think they are taking them off the map, literally. But Rundle, let me bring you in on this. What mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this situation? Well, I you know I'm, I'm listening uh, intently to Caleb. Uh, you know, Delve has fallen. Uh, you know, as a as an as a uh, did that Pappy hit you member. as hard as it hit our crowd and myself? Yeah, yeah, I was just. Yeah. You know, it's that voice, yeah, I think, especially followed on with, uh, I, I think, you know, uh, most Imperium members would admit it. Uh, that also blows me away because, you know, in other talk shows and other, you know, just just casual conversation, I don't hear any Imperium members admitting it. Um, so to me, it's a little eye opening um, just personally. Um, so but, you know, I think this uh, I, I appreciate what he's saying. And, and I actually I agree. I think there's solid planning in the in the background. Imperium is well known for having plans within plans, as he said. It's foolhardy to think that you can wipe Delve off of the map in terms of structures and somehow the whole thing just crumbles just because that's not how that's not how the Imperium has ever worked. The, the question of control and uh, control of space and control of the mind of the game in terms of, you know, who and where and if you counterattack, we're still going to be there sort of thing. That's, to me, the next chapter, right? What happens, the kind of what happens after the war? I really don't think there's a lot of theory crafting around. We're going to kind of enter into this period of of quiet. I, we will have a period where everyone will be like, okay, good, that's over. But I think hot on the heels will be, you know, counter pushes, um, counter people who just want to continue to fight, maybe try to do a bit of a land grab in other areas. I think there's going to be like a watchdog situation where if the Imperium really tries to do anything, you know, we'll be there. We're watching. We're waiting. That sort of is my feeling of what's the next to come. And so... Um, that could go either direction, to be blunt, right? That could go either direction. They have a con- concentrated group of people with a lot of money, a lot of firepower, and um, possibly the right motivation at that point in time to then really do something different and concentrated and focused. So, you know, the war will be over until the next war starts. That's really what I believe. The continuum the geography of is the, the geography is what is exciting to me. Of course, we all know the the the, the big players in in the game, but it's it's Delve. Uh, who wants Delve? Well, 
test might, but do any of the other Pappy forces actually want Delve or want to hold or live in it? And if they just want to rent it out, rental space is not really well as defendable, right? You, you, it, it, if you don't build up your infrastructure in this new normal of the game, you don't have the same defensibility. So I don't yeah. think that is a solution. So then it's going to end up being who is going to try and take what space, how much do they want to invest, can they actually get their crabbing up and running again, uh, because ISK doesn't uh, create structures. Uh, so there's just so many things. And then, of course, I, I asked the question, what's the new power distribution going to be? Because what is, is Pappy going to insist on staying together just to try and chase the Imperium around the map to kill them? I don't think so, because no one in there with a bit of a brain will believe that that's a goal that can be achieved, right? Uh, well, what does that, staying together mean, though? Does that mean we just don't fight each other or we don't, you know, uh, you know, um, your friends and friends against your biggest enemy? Um, and then when the biggest enemy isn't doing, you know, then you can go back to doing what you're doing. But if they, you know, raise their head again, then you stop what you're doing and you go squash that. Right. So in other words, Pappy could go and do legacy and, and all the other things and do whatever they want to do. But Imperium raises up. Then we stop what we're doing. We focus on that. Um, in terms of Delve, yes, people are moving there. Delve, you know, t people are excited about making that home. It is home now. That's the way you even hear Billy saying it. You know, Delve is my home. And in terms of like the renter architecture, it's not really how they work. Uh, sure, there's a flow of ISK and, and elements for, uh, sorry, ISK and, and you know resources to a degree, but it's. It's not based on a rental system of you know if you don't pay your bill, um, it's I, I don't it's it's hard to describe. It's it's just a collective is the better way of putting it. All right, well, and and so go ahead the and groups do want to be there and depend defend each other. Go ahead, sorry. All right, yeah. Let me just bring this in from uh, El Was Real or Always Real. Sorry, Always for Real says, "Isn't Test going to live in Delve now? And how will Test fare after Pappy dissolves?" That's the question I've heard a few times. Well, but the question is, 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 is dissolve the right term? It's, it's more like... Stand uh, down. Yeah, uh, it, it's the stand down and, uh, well, I, I'm going to call it go home. <laughs> because after this, especially if 1DQ ends up a bloodbath, right? Then you're going to see, in, in my estimate, you're going to see about almost 2,000 Titans die, right? Um, this is a realistic number because that's pretty much what's been on field. Um, so if, if those Titans die, let's just say that it's half, they need to be replaced somehow. All, all those losses in that bloodbath, will, people will, will need to lick their wounds and rebuild. And uh, I've mentioned before, and I think Brave is going to come back better than before, they might be very much in the mood to actually go and lick their wounds somewhere. And I think that's true for most groups, and especially if it's a disproportionate sacrifice, if... if if PL and, 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 and Horde uh, loses proportionally massive amounts of, of, of Supers and Titans compared to the other groups, they're going to say, okay, we're going to have to need to rebuild. So we're going to go home for a bit, but we might, need, we, we might let the blue donut, quote unquote, stand and still be hostile and mm -hmm. try to chase Imperium if they're trying to settle somewhere. And, and, but then it's just a new map and, and it's, it's a completely new normal and it's what... When I talk to Elise about this, I feel like that's a new that that's a reset almost of the server. 
Well, I, we only have a few more minutes, but let me let me just get some time in here uh, because I think we're all looking at this in, in at yesterday. We're looking at this with the way things are yesterday, not the way things are tomorrow. And there's still three, four months of war. And I know NCDOT is on a mission. I know Horde is probably on a mission. I'm pretty certain Test is on a mission. You might say Test was fighting for survival because if this didn't go well, they were going to get next. But... Uh, they're definitely on a mission. I know NC is, has got like the next, they're like, don't don't bother me. Do not disturb for the next four months while we take care of this old bill they, they want to do. Mm -hmm. They're focused on this more so than Test or anybody else. Anyway, after this clears up, the world's already changed underneath everybody's feet. NullSec yep. isn't what it used to be. You can see that um, you know ratting for for big money just isn't nullsec anymore. It's a different beast, and it's still changing. Who knows what it'll be in four months? The money right now, if you want to be smart, is to look at a group like Fraternity. What are they doing? Because they're not really engaged in this war. It's not in their time zone. So what are they doing? They're moving to shallow null. They're putting Keepstars yeah. in low sec, and they're investigating Poshven. They are covering their bases for tomorrow. And I well, think... uh, gameplay-wise, they remind me a little bit of uh, Darkness and GOGG, right? They, they're really good at um, what they do, and uh, it's very much about being productive, right? Uh, they will be the new uh, rich kid, as far as I can tell. Um, whether that will turn people against them, as chat is implying, it's... I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think they're going to be part of... Uh, uh, a new geopolitical uh, split, and I think it's going to be a three-way split, uh, which I think is potentially healthy for the game because uh, then you're going to have these uh, uh, almost Mexican standoff uh, things happening where you can split groups from each other and and have uh, very strange and interesting fights across the map. And I think that is going to happen. Well, um, I mean, it's not just about money; it's about uh, it's about goal setting, goal achieving, and active uh, participation from a player base. The the leaders of these groups want people they can utilize to tug of war and win. And the way that you keep people around you is you keep them meeting their goals. If their goals are money. The money's not in NullSec alone like it used to be, because what happened for the last five years was lazy money. Sit back, AFK, and the money will just roll in. Big money will just roll in as long as you're with us and protected by us. That is a scenario for what happened over the last few years. But that scenario is gone. The new scenario is diversity of fun. Keep you active. Keep you doing things. A little Poshven, a little gate camp, a little low-sec stuff, a little commerce. A uh, little bit of null sex stuff, maybe some renting. Sure, that's always been that's been here since day one. It probably will never go away. But the idea is a diversity of income, a diversity of activity. You're not just here to make money so that you can PvP. You're actually PvPing against other players constantly, and you're probably fighting PvE that is pretty formidable. But, but Madrol, I think I think it's going to come down to three key points, and I have mentioned them before. It's what I call the veteran effect. So the people that are actually really old school and really good at the game. So the very good FCs, the very good uh, Sky Marshals, the very good uh, leaders of, of groups. That's going to be massively important. This is also why, even though everyone's keeping uh, their eyes on fraternity and all the money, I don't think it compares to organizations like NCPL, PH, uh, 
all these old school guys because in the new normal that CCP is bringing in, this is going to be vital. The second is how do you utilize space? How do you build out your uh, your empire? Empire building will be the the preferred model. I know that people like uh, rental, but rental is not going to be as easy or as profitable in the new normal that CCP is rolling out. And 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 uh, when it comes to the last, uh, it, it's really about the the interplay of who will be allied with whom. And this is not just about money. We had this discussion before this chat. Uh, influence is very much about old relationships. And I think these are going to be the crucial things on the other side of this war. And you're going to see some things that might not have been expected. I did not expect uh, um, the, the the disbanding of uh, of that latest group from uh, from from the Imperium. Um, it it was a little bit of a shock, also because about now that elitist ops, yeah, and how they are now joining uh, Snuff. That means that Snuff is going to get a power injection of a massive. Uh, uh, well, size, right? So, they need it. They're going into a war, which we'll talk about later. But I mean, mm-hmm. next time. But go ahead. I just, I just think that that people should get ready for a, potentially a lot more fun than the last year of war. So I think uh, the fourth. I'd add a fourth one. I like your three. I, I, I like your three <laughs> items. The fourth one for me would be uh, movement, um, troop movement, movement of ratting, movement of mining. You know the ESS changes, the indexes, um, and and being able to move and have access to commerce or access to different types of gameplay for large numbers of memberships, uh, gate systems, holding down constellations where you can move around. That is one of the attractive things with Delve and the interaction with Quirius is there. There is you know really um, there there is a bit of a, a choke point element to it, and if you do things right. Um, you know, you see the effects, like just like Imperium did, it takes a long time with an enormous amount of people to break in and break down the door to get in. And so if you have an area of space like that and you can set up your defenses correctly with those three things that you mentioned and add in, I've built up a way to move my people around to keep them happy, to have content and to remain, um, you know, mobile enough to address all threats. And um, as well as you know, take advantage of all positive elements. Then I think th- those are your four steps to success moving forward. And 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 if I if if or, or these organizations were companies with shares, I can tell you uh, the ones that I would buy into right now would be I would buy some NC shares, I would buy Bastion shares, I would buy Brave shares, and then I would buy up all the junk bond uh, sword dragon uh, shares. <laughs> junk bond. That's funny. Sword Dragon is out of the game at the moment. I think I still think you're looking backwards. I feel like here's a little. We'll end with this. There was um, a time where I was talking to the archivist. I think I've said the story before, but I'll say it again. The archivist, the guy that handles all the film and filing for the American Film Institute, which is uh, one of the few professional schools if you want to become a filmmaker. And he was saying, you know, what's funny about your generation? My generation, if it wasn't in your hands, it didn't exist. Your generation, you don't want anything in your hands, but you want access to everything. And I thought that was what's going on here. It's not about owning territory anymore or owning a kingdom anymore. I think it's actually splitting into multiple levels 
my son is having a great time with some other game, <laughs> but they, uh, it's, it's no longer about possessing a thing. It's about being active in many things you don't possess. I think that's the future. But that's granted by someone. The game, the environment is the, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but it's controlled and granted by the people that hold the space and facilitates that's all those where the, opportunities. That's where the relationships and the power are important. And that's which is why I said the old school guys will be more important. If they can offer access to Poshven, if they can offer access to what goes on in LOSEC, if they can offer access to any of those things, there's going to be a number of diplomats and power brokers that become important, not anyone who can consolidate all that uh, into one package. Because again, it doesn't belong to anybody. It's a function of the game. And I think that is very interesting, but we won't ever get to that uh, anytime soon. That's at least four or five months away. Right now, it's still war and delve. That's the big thing. But this is an end of an empire that is signaling the end of an era. Make no mistake about it. This is the war to end wars. This was like the end game. And what's after is still imaginative. Like we still don't know what's going to happen. Okay. That's all we got today. I think we just blew the whole weekend. Uh, what? Weekend stuff that we had material is all blown here. Uh, so <laughs> we'll have to just replay this <laughs> episode. All right, guys. Thanks very much for joining us, Caleb. Uh, Rundle. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys being here. Good times. Thanks for the time. All right. And thank you guys for watching us today. We'll be back tomorrow one last time. Again, do not miss tomorrow at what time? 1900 UTC. For the European show. What's it called now? What's the actual title? It's just the uh, EU uh, TIS. EU TIS. All right. Well, we'll find it. That's, that's good enough. <laughs> All right. So or Euro TIS. Yeah. Make sure you watch. Hold the naming, hold naming uh, contest. Hold the yeah. naming contest. Give something away. Yeah, we have, uh, a skin. We have a couple skins. Some we skins. We have some partner yeah. skins. Yeah. There you go. See? <laughs> uh, make sure that um, you're there for that show. Uh, we'll make sure to talk about why you should be playing EVE and why it's different than every other game and why if you leave, you'll come back if you really want uh, the highest level of challenge. So that's all tomorrow on the European <sighs> TIS show. I'm going to go join my son now. He's having a great time with something. Okay, thanks, guys. We will see you next time or tomorrow on Talking In Stations.